Welcome to another Sylvester Stallone fan podcast episode. How are you guys doing, Craig? How are you doing? Good. I'm good. I'm getting ready for uh, for spring here and uh, in fabulous Las Vegas before the, the brutal summer kicks in. Yeah, just rocking and rolling here. Well, when this album gets uh, when this album when this album drops, album. when this episode gets released, it's going to be April in uh, Vegas, so it's going to probably be pretty warm for you by then. April's a, a great month here. My three favorite months here in, in Las Vegas are uh, November, March, and April. And uh, Doug, how you doing there? I'm doing good, Ryan. I, w- I wish you still were on East Coast time, to be honest. But <laughs> we, out, we outvote you now. Yeah, now I'm uh, the one on the outs. That's right. Not even dark here yet. Yeah, it's still got a little bit of daylight. Okay, well, <laughs> okay, so without further ado, today's episode, we put this up for vote. This went up against Reach Me. What was the other one this was up against? Shade. Uh, Shade, yeah. So we, <laughs> Which I know we disappointed Liam because I know Liam uh, said he doesn't know too much about that movie. I think that's like the third time I've offered up Shade and it's lost. So Same. Reach my me. pride started to. That's it. <laughs> Three strikes and it's out. Reach Me has been getting horrible. People have been voting for it, both Facebook and Twitter, but Reach Me is always in dead last whenever I put it up for a poll. I would assume three quarters of the people are like, what is <laughs> what movie is he talking about? Reach Me. The winner for the audience is ICU or Detox. What do you guys want to call this film? Well, the cut I watched had ICU as the on the title card. That's funny. Likewise. Mine said detox on the title card when it came up in the film. Isn't that funny? God, I wonder if we watched the same cut. How long was yours, Ryan? Good question. Mine was an hour and 35 minutes. I remember. That's what ours was, too. Okay. Because I remember because I was watching that time constantly. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't the only one. (laughs) Okay. Right. It said ICU on the title card, right, Doug? On on TV. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Sure did. And for memory, I haven't I know you're gonna ask me this, Ryan. I haven't watched this since it came out on DVD in what, two thousand three or whatever it 2002. was. It felt like the same movie I watched. The only thing is the opening section before he goes to Wyoming felt a lot longer. At least my memory of the movie was like he's in that underground bunker for like ninety minutes, and then I was like, What's all this setup? Well, we'll get into it, but the setup, quite frankly, is probably the best part of the film. Yeah, you, you know, probably. Yeah, yeah. When did Saw come out? Okay, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. We'll slow down. Let's we'll slow down. So, <laughs> listeners, this movie was filmed in 1999. Stallone at the time was 52. Craig kind of alluded to this was kind of in that heyday of the resurgence of the slasher flick, the teen slasher flicks. We had the Scream movies that come out, and we had, of course, I Know What You Did Last Summer. Which the director of this. Jim Gillespie, and I didn't realize that until after after watching the film, I do very little research before I see a film for the first time because I just want to go in cold. And it wasn't – so I was like, okay, what else has this director done? Well, no surprise. I was I was partly not surprised that he's done nothing since this film because it was a complete failure. And then I was then surprised that he – the film right before this one was a huge success. Both yeah. It was loved by fans and financially a box office hit. It's got a great scene in it. One of the best scenes of that film and probably of horror in the 90s is when Pete Sampras's wife gets killed and the fisherman's got her on the hook and he's dragging her down the aisle of that grocery store. Mm, yeah. She was a big actress. I don't remember her name. Bridget Jennifer, something. Jennifer Love Hewitt? No, no, no. Whoever Pete Sampras married around oh, that time. Uh, I don't know. 
Bridget something. Bridget Wilson. Yeah. She was a big actress at the time. And then she married Pete Sampras and was probably like, I don't have to act anymore. She was um, the girl in, um, yeah, Happy Gilmore. Yeah. Uh-huh. Blonde girl. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I saw, I know you did last, what, what you did last summer in the theaters. I just remember enjoying every scene Jennifer Love Hewitt was in, especially the rain. All right. Uh, can we just talk about her for the next <laughs> Okay, better than talk about this shitty movie. Did Jim Gillespie really not do anything after this? Well, yes, actually, his next film. Good, great question. His next film after after Detox was you might have heard of it, Venom. Wait, what what year did that? Most recent one? No, the two thousand five one with uh, (laughs) with Method Man. (laughs) This was filmed in what ninety eight ninety nine. So we've talked about the road that Stallone could have taken and we've sort of bemoaned the fact that he sort of pivoted and went back. And it really pains me to say that watching detox detox was him trying to do that. The movie was completely hung out to dry and is probably another reason that we didn't get the alternate universe Stallone focusing on acting a la Copland can be tied directly to detox and its failure. And, and I know Sly talked about why he thought this movie failed, mainly because of distribution and the studio not believing in it. And it makes me ask a bigger question, and this is for Hollywood in general. Why do you develop projects and then get shocked by the end results? There was a script, you hired a director, you knew what the director was capable of delivering, and then you see the movie and you're like, oh, this isn't what we were planning on. And then you shelf it. And it's really frustrating because it's like like me. I, I make banana bread every week and I go buy a recipe. I know what the banana bread's going to taste like based on the recipe. Like, I don't know. The questions are very valid, and they've been questions that I've asked myself every time I listen to a, a, maybe a song that we, where that's the producer's job or a movie where it's the director or an editor's job, quite frankly, to put together a product where it's like, hey, we've got this film, we've got this footage. And, but at the end of the day, the director in front of the actors, when he says you know, action, and he's watching them act in the storyline. And I mean, before that, they have the storyboards, right? Don't they storyboard these films? Like, I don't understand why they're not saying, you know what, that, that's kind of stupid. That's kind of corny. Or that line there doesn't work. Or what's happening here? Or we can see who the killer is a mile away. I mean, all these things, like, I don't understand why people who are in the business aren't smarter to the business. It, it's, it's frustrating. It's, it's so hard to come up with original ideas that, you know, though, everything's – There's so, there's so <sighs> much – I, I hear you, Doug. You're right. I'm not But they're rebooting it. They're rebooting everything left and right these days. Yeah. yeah. And you, Well, to your point, Detox is essentially a middle-aged version of I Know What You Did Last Summer. <laughs> it's by the same director and has the same beats as that type of film. And so you said Scream before with the talking on the phone with the distorted voice. Ugh. I won't live long. The odds are against that. So what time I have left, I will dedicate to you. I'll always be close, like hide and seek. Now, about Mary. It's that's, that reminded me of Saw. The voice, mm-hmm. I, at first I was like, that's the Saw voice. In order to survive, you must save as I save. In turn, you will receive a clue. To your salvation. Make your choice. Well, speaking of the voice, did you guys watch the trailer? No. Yes, and the tra- and the trailer, the voice wasn't distorted. You ever play hide and seek? What makes that game so much fun? 
when the hunter is staring right at you. The voice wasn't modulated, Craig. Yeah. So it was the, <laughs> the the guy, the only guy speaking the whole movie with an English accent. <laughs> was revealed in the trailer. Yeah. That's hilarious. Did you guys also get, uh, and I know we're going to get into this, but Are we? Um, did you get like an escape plan vibe from the, um, the bunker they were in? I think this is a movie because it's so light on plot and it's pretty uh, pretty cookie cutter, though. I think we can kind of talk about each beats to say where the film was as it begins. But before we even get to that, so we know it was filmed in 99. It didn't get released officially till 2002. It bombed at the box office. It, it had a budget of $55 million due to reshoots and probably Sly's $20 million cut. And it only made $6.5 million at the box office. Well, it didn't even come out in, in domestically, right? That was all overseas. It was released yeah, in the UK. No, it was released uh, September 20th in the States. Wow. It was like you went to the marquee and you saw ICU next to uh, whatever was out in 2000, you know, next to the Harry Potter film or whatever. Do you think that there's any part of them just wanted to throw this in the trash? Or is it just like well, we put the money into it, so well, let's recoup? DEJ, I think, was the final company. If DEJ didn't come in and buy the rights, we never would have seen this movie. It would have universal. It was universal. It. Yeah, they, they stripped their name off of it and everything. Yeah, they were right? so embarrassed about it. Yeah, Universal Pictures actually disowned it, and we have nothing to do with this film. Don't associate us <laughs> with this. Film. But you know what? They had a habit of doing that around that time because they were the original producers of House of a Thousand Corpses, the Rob Zombie movie that yeah. eventually got released by I think Lionsgate. That actually so made seems, money, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. But it's, so it seems like Universal was just making shit, and then they were like, ah, it didn't come out the way we liked. Uh, let's just shelf it. Well, Doug, to speak to your point about rebooting or not original ideas, you're absolutely right. This is a victim of that. And like we're saying, this is a slasher film for adults, and it doesn't work. Slasher films are not no. meant for adults. Mm-hmm. Seeing adults killed by a, a serial killer or basically a cloaked or hidden figure it's not scary there's no stakes they're all you know some of them are near death anyways <laughs> the victims and so there's no stakes when adults die in films the way teenagers are in peril there wasn't a point i know there's like a really loose arc that the stallone character goes through most slasher films they're about tna just 90 minutes of popcorn where you can sort of enjoy the gore I think you're really on point there, Ryan, by saying that when it's adults, there's really no stakes. It's not interesting. But what if it was like like a seven type of film? So you got this guy that's going around killing cops. You have the main character, FBI agent, whose wife gets killed by this cop killer. Just do that. Just follow that line until he gets caught or killed in the end. Well, your budget would have skyrocketed because you wouldn't have been able to stay in that compound. That okay, was so ridiculous. Yeah, but before we get to this, I'm sure 95% of our listening audience has not seen this film. If they're listening to this, they probably wouldn't mind if we give a little bit of a plot what's going on here. So the movie opens up with Sly's character, which is named Malloy. Agent no relation. Agent Jake Malloy. And yeah, no relation to Sean Malloy. <laughs> <laughs> he is buying a ring. Now, did you see the way he approached the ring at the counter? <laughs> He was back like five feet, and he did that. This like, hmm, oh, it can't be. <laughs> did you see that way he acted? That I thought was he supposed to be funny there? He acted really weird about a. Pro- I don't want to say he just acted very. <laughs> oh, you're doing like a little uh, Mr. Roper. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, a Jack Tripper type behavior. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Before he went to the, get the ring, and he's like, "Oh, this ring's perfect," or whatever. 
<laughs> April Fool, right? <laughs> You're kidding, right? You've picked a very fine diamond, Mr. Malloy. I'll tell you what. Throw in a car, I'll take it. Throw in a hand, I'll take it. Perhaps a lesser gem would be more appropriate? Nah, it's perfect. Stallone's acting in that for in this first third, I guess you want to call it, before he goes into the cop rehab. I think his acting there, aside from when he comes home to discover his wife's been murdered, when he's talking with the other cops in the bar and he's sort of running down the the serial killer's methodology. Look, I'd love to tell you we got this guy ready for a toe tag in the slab. I'd love to tell you that. But we're dealing with a whole different kind of street logic here. It's a whole different breed. There's no repeatable patterns. There's no identifiable method. He's targeting cops, different precincts, different times. Every site's clean. He's gonna f up. They all do. And when he does, we'll nail him. He was believable there. Like, it, it actually seemed he knew what he was talking about. Yeah, the first third of this film, the first 35 minutes of this film, before he enters rehab, detox center, it was actually not a bad flick. I remember watching, thinking, okay, I know this film was hated by both uh, fans of Sly and critics. I, did, I don't know why I didn't read any reviews, but I just had that because I know Sly's films enough to know this was a stinker. So I never got around mm -hmm. to seeing it. And so the first 20, 30 minutes, I was like, this isn't bad. This is okay. But anyways, it gets into what it gets into. So, okay, so he's at the bar with the cops, right? And they're having drinks and it seems like a, just a normal standard affair of, hey, we're having drinks and da-da-da. They're crap talking each other. D Doug, you're a cop, right? Do you guys get together for drinks at a bar and crap talk each other? Not much these days. When I was new, we, we did. But sure, sure, sure. We also, yeah, never mind. Okay, I understand. <laughs> I don't want to go down a rabbit yeah. hole. But then, then one of the cops who both Malloy and this cop, apparently they were partners when Jake Malloy played by Stallone. Uh, we'll the one say, that gets killed? Yeah, we'll just say for argument's sake, we'll Jake Malloy is Sly's character, but I'll just say Sly for the most part because it's just, it's just him, you know, <laughs> for our listening audience. So anyways, so anyways, Sly's partner in the film, sorry, the guy in the film who's chirping at Sly saying, how come you haven't caught this uh, cop killer? So essentially there's a killer on the loose who is literally killing cops from different precincts like he's not just picking one he's like got this one on the north side this one on the east side or whatever so the fbi have been called in to obviously this is a multi-precinct murder spree like nine cops in six months fbi are on the case it's his ex-partner who's still a cop saying to sly saying hey come on man what's up with the fbi how, how come you haven't caught this guy yet so that's how the film begins so we're now the audience knows okay there's a cop killer on the loose sly's hot on the tail of this guy yeah, obviously, this is something that's been going on. And then fast forward a few minutes, the same cop who chirped at Sly, he gets dropped off at home. The doorbell rings. He answers it. He looks through the eye hole first. And do you guys want to talk about how he died? So, so ridiculous. The drill through the peephole. Yeah. Logistically, there's so many problems with it. Please, yeah. Please um, tell. Unless you pre-drill it, you're not going to come right through right away, right? I mean – you're going to have to break the glass on the peephole. And then wouldn't the peephole pop out on your side? The drill wouldn't go straight through it. We've all been hit in the eye with a piece of sand or some sort of whatever. And the moment your eyeball feels a, just a twinge of something, the automatic response is you whip your head back right away. Yeah, yeah. The amount of force and energy, it would, it would take actual superhuman strength to drive the drill through the peephole fast enough for it to impale the eye. 
that the drill turning on and off would be irrelevant. It would just, (laughs) you know, it it doesn't matter if it's a drill or not. You could use a screwdriver. You could use a pencil because the amount Mm -hmm. of force, the screwing of the electronic drill is irrelevant at that point. You're pushing it faster through the hole than you can screw it. But whatever, it's a movie. So the guy looks in the hole and he keeps his eye in there long enough to get his eye drilled. (laughs) (laughs) Already as a sly film fan person, you're, oh, this is a different kind of film. That's a slasher kill, guys. So now we're mm-hmm. in slasher film mode. So, but then he drops back, and then he, the same cop is you know crawling on the floor away from the door, but the door opens, and this hooded figure comes in, whatever you know, shadow figure. You can't quite see his face. Pulls out a silencer gun, of course, classic silencer weapon. Shoots the cop. So that's what we see there, and then then we go to the girlfriend's house with Sly, or the Sly in the girlfriend's house. Yeah, and he, he proposes to her, right? No, he says he's he got a surprise for her. He hasn't proposed to her yet. Lucky for you, I've been out there checking out the competition. And picking is a pretty damn slim, so I was thinking, what the hell? Why not stay with me? You trying to tell me something, huh? Maybe. Maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> I have a surprise. I got this great surprise, but it's going to have to keep it. I'm going to give it to you, but I want to have a clear head on it. But she senses yeah. that the proposal's coming. He has the ring, but he didn't say that he has the ring. He didn't even mention it to her. He's just, in the future, I've got a surprise for you. And she's like, oh, tee hee hee I wonder what it could be. Kind of yeah, like, she's great. That's uh, that's Dina Meyer, who was another big actress around that time. She was in Starship Troopers, um, and she was in Johnny Mnemonic. She was in the Saw films. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. She was a, a great actress. It was cool seeing her. Did you look up the age difference between Sly <laughs> Absolutely and... Absolutely, I did. Absolutely. <laughs> What was Sly? Was Sly 50, 50 something here? He was 52. 52? Yeah. And she would have been both, she was about 40, uh, sorry, 32 in this film. <laughs> now, to be a little bit fair to Sly's uh, character, a 20 year difference isn't crazy. He, this is his second relationship. He's been divorced. We get a little dialogue there where it turns out that Sly's character is divorced. How was Donovan's? How do you know it was at Donovan's? I called. No, you didn't. No, I didn't. It was my imitation of your ex-wife. Ouch. Come on, don't go there. <laughs> she's the new girlfriend, so she's a younger, hotter version than his ex-wife. So he was working for the FBI at this point, right? Yeah, so he's an FBI guy now. Again, this is Sly the actor versus the character. Aren't there mandatory retirement ages, especially for FBI agents? I have a theory. So he's 52 mm-hmm. as an FBI agent, which I think is a fine age. I think 52-year-old FBI agents are there, obviously. I think the divorce led to the career change. Like as an FBI agent, especially he was still a field agent, right? If he was playing a 52-year-old in the movie, he's like three years away from retirement. What is the retirement age for FBI agents? I don't know. 20 years from uh data higher yeah so this is the problem yes craig you're absolutely right so we're gonna we have to believe that sly thinks he looks younger than he is and i i'm sick of it okay because <laughs> no he he looks he's in good shape don't get me wrong he, he's in good shape but for a 52 year old let's all hope i'm in that kind of shape at 52 he looks fantastic we saw some shirtless that you know on the bed there he looks fine he looks great but he looks 50 maybe 49 but it's still like 50 he's 52 and 52 is 52 it just is what it is he's not 38 Mm-hmm. I don't know. Anyway, so yes, you're right. I think his character was supposed to be younger. I think if we see Dina Meyer and they have a little love talk and it's like everything's really dandy. The next day, he gets a, his pager, still the pager mode of the films here. His, mm-hmm. his, they discover the, okay, yeah, there's yeah, a whole. The, the pager yeah. alert comes up and says, 
murder or whatever. And so he mm-hmm. goes to the house and he sees this murder, guy. Murder, death, kill. Yeah, he's in murder, death, kill. So he goes to the guy's house that was killed the night before. The guy that was tripping out of the bar, he's now dead. As a viewer, the last thing that we saw that he was shot on the floor. But now what we're seeing is he's now hanging in the air, really quite a grotesque fashion. So this really comes in out of the very, like Doug was saying, the very seven-like moment. This was the moment that gave me that vibe, that seven vibe. And I would hope that they would stay with it. Well, you'd have to have talented actors like Kevin Spacey and Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman and director like David Fincher and writers. Uh, Isn't that interesting how a writer writer director can dictate the success of a film? (laughs) This isn't Sly's fault. I think we've talked about this before many times on other podcasts of Sly films is when the director sucks. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. Look at Quentin Tarantino. He writes amazing films and he's an amazing director and he can take what would almost be a standard scene from another director. He just makes it Quentin Tarantino. I don't know how he... In all fairness to Mr. Gillespie here. <laughs> oh, wow. You're being fair? Well, no. I mean, from every indication, I Know What You Did Last Summer is a competently made movie. It was – Horror film, slasher flick. Yes, it's a – Yeah, yeah. In its genre, um, it's pigeonhole genre of a teen yeah. slasher flick. It's fine. And this film, I See You, Detox, went through a substantial amount of reshoots. Now, how involved with those reshoots was he? Uh, apparently, Ron Howard oversaw some of that. Well, Ron had Howard's dad has a cameo here. If Matt's listening, I know Matt was really excited a, a year or two ago when the director's cut of this movie came out. I know there's a write-up online, but I didn't bother to look to see what the differences were. But apparently, it's a substantially different movie. Was it really a director's cut? Who would put the time and effort into releasing a director's cut of this pile of shit? It was within like the last two years. That's right. I forgot a, about that. A legitimate that- Blu-ray director's cut. I don't want to put all the blame on Jim Gillespie here is all I'm saying. There's a part of me that's very curious to watch that director's cut. I'm not going to lie. Now that I've just seen this, I'd be just curious what a director's cut of this film would offer me. Release the Jim Gillespie cut. (laughs) (laughs) Let's get a Twitter movement going. And people will be like, it's been released for three years now. (laughs) Yeah, it's four hours and it ends on a cliffhanger that will never be resolved. Oh, boy. So speaking of the kill, for those who haven't seen the film, the individual, the cop that's been killed, he has his arms and his legs tied behind his back, almost like an arachnid spider type, attached both to the wrists and and, and the ankles, hanging from the ceiling with a baton shoved down his throat. Mm. Now, this is a one-man job, apparently. You give me $100,000, I don't think I could put a body in that position overnight and have it mounted. Well, you use like a pulley system? I can barely screw a light bulb in, man. I don't know how he got that guy up there. Where was he? He was just hanging from the ceiling. I guess he drilled he some found, holes through he, the beams, he, I guess. Yeah, he found the support beam, mm-hmm. probably constructed some kind of pulley system. Maybe he had something he brought in, like a pulley system on wheels with the, yeah. the whole like one of those engine block. Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. Well, I know you guys are being silly, but one of the biggest flaws of this film. Well, you are being silly. Don't tell me. You're being silly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm being dead serious. Uh, <laughs> but one of the biggest flaws of this film is well, you can't decide. Is it a psychological thriller or is it a teen slash film? Because the guy that's doing the killing and in which the manner in which he does them requires superhuman strength. We talked about with the okay. drill with the uh, drill through the door. And now we're talking about it with mounting this guy, you know, bending his limbs backwards, postmortem and all this stuff. It's actual superhuman strength for a one man job to do the kills and to put the bodies in the positions that he does so quickly and to put himself back in a position where we as a viewing audience later in the film don't know who he is. How does yeah, he get now, around so much without any blood on him? And, you know, come on, guys. Yeah. Now, wh- and, and also, what was the purpose of it? Was it so that when 
when Dina Meyer gets killed and she's hanging there, they could they could make a visual connection. I mean, you could just leave like a playing card or some other stupid gimmick at he the does. scene if you he does with well, the cops in the in, in the rehab center. He writes under their eyelids. Yeah, oh. yeah. No, so what's the purpose? What's the purpose of hanging them? If that's not how you're killing them, if you're going to identify yourself as the killer anyway through some cheap gimmick, why expend all that energy? Well, that's another thing. Is it, it starts out like the first two victims gets their eyes drilled out, right? Right. The, the, and that's then, his calling card. The eyes are gone. I see you. Okay. Yeah, I see you. Right. But I. And then later on in the movie, he's just hanging people. He's killing them. Like the one guy gets uh, drugged. The other guy, uh, uh, another guy gets his throat well, well, cut. Yeah, we're gonna get. We're gonna get. Okay, we're gonna get that. You're right. So you're taking too long. No, well, <laughs> you really are. Yeah. Guys, we've been recording for 22 minutes. Our average episode is an hour and a half long. We've been recording for 20. I know the movie's a drag, but we got to give our listening audience something here. Okay, and I'm, I'm not mean to take long. I think the first 20 minutes of the film is the most unpacked. I to be to be fair, and then once we get to the clinic, it's really just a standard one by one slasher film. Because I think the whole first third of the film is actually the, the only part of the film I want to talk about. Fine. You want to talk about the last half of the film? Bunch of cops. The guy that's a killer kills them all. He gets discovered who he is. He dies at the end. Stallone and his uh, would-be girlfriend walk away. That <laughs> is the rest of the film. But I think leading up to the film, I'm sorry, leading up to the uh, detox part is actually not the most interesting part to talk about, but it, it actually has the most plot holes because – Keep in mind, this guy has done these killings. Like now, Stallone is at is at the site as he's at the crime scene. Sorry, and he's there. It's like, oh, I can't believe this cop is dead. I was just having drinks with him last night. You know, da 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 da. Friend of yours? Yeah, long time. I can't find any sign of gunpowder tattooing. Shooter was most likely several feet back. He was in whispering distance. See the starburst splitting on his skin here, Doc. Gun was pressed directly against the head. Killer wanted him to feel the barrel. Nine dead cops inside of six months. If this was nine dead feds we were talking about, yeah, that would be a different goddamn story. Let's cut him down. How long do you plan to have him hang there? I don't think Junior here has finished analyzing the body. What do you think you're going to find? We haven't been able to find anything yet. What do you think you're going to find? Why don't you get that club out of his throat? Let let me me handle this, okay? Fine. Charles Dutton's there, great actor. He's there playing... Charles S. Dutton. Sorry, Charles S. Dutton. My apologies. Original rock. That's right. That's right. Great, Great comedy show. I loved it. We find out later that they're partners. They didn't do a very good job establishing that until later. Well, he was in the bar scene, wasn't he? No. I don't think he was there. Are you sure? Maybe if he was, I didn't notice him because I was looking for him because I knew he was in the film. But he might, I maybe think, I missed him. Maybe uh, he shows up for the first time in this scene I where they're at. I think so. The, I think yeah, so. Okay. okay. So the phone rings and they're like, hey, Malloy, Sly's character. Hey, Malloy, it's for you. Of course. It's like, then the killer comes onto the phone. It's, it's, <laughs> you, know what, you know what was funny about that? You could sort of hear the killer's voice on the phone, right? And it had the modulation on it. Hello? I'm just making a It's for you. Like, how did that cop answer the phone and not be like, oh, but what I'm saying, you could hear the other voice on the other, on the other end of the phone when the cop's there, when the cop oh. answers it. And I swear you heard the modulated voice. Oh, be I, like, see you, I see what you're saying. Okay. I'm, I'm looking for Jake Malloy. <laughs> Maybe he just thought it was one of those uh, smoker boxes, you know. <laughs> Is Jake Malloy there? <laughs> Jake goes on the phone. Of course, it goes right into the dialogue for the audience. I want to play a game. Yeah. It's that modulated voice. We don't know who the killer is. Blah, blah, blah. It's Malloy. You 
when your friend were out late last night. Who is this? Tell him a lie. What do you see in that dead cop's eyes? Do you see recrimination? Because it's your fault. Who is this? They've all gone to their resting place because of you. What are you talking about? We'll get to that. But first things first. You know, she's got a lovely place here. Nice neighborhood. It almost looks safe. Until now. And he's saying, "You should have like, stayed. Like you should have stayed home." And but here's the connection: not done your job. So why is he asking for Jake? You say, audience, why is he picking on Jake? Now he's at Jake's house to kill uh, his fiance, soon to be fiance's girlfriend. And the reason why? Now there's the motive, ladies and gentlemen. We have a motive for the killer. Okay, here's the motive. The motive is, ladies and gentlemen, Jake when he was a cop thwarted <laughs> this guy's killings of prostitutes. I'm sorry. But Mary can't come to the phone right now. What do you want? You're the agent in charge of my case, aren't you? That's right, so whatever you gotta do, why don't you just do it to me? I am doing it to you, Aloy. And I'm doing it to her. So you still haven't told me what you want? Four years ago, you were in charge of an investigation of a series of murders. Atrocities against prostitutes. I call it removing diseased filth. You got very close to getting me. You'd rather protect them and remove me. You made my life hell. So now, I'm returning the favor. Keep him talking to Hunting the hunters. I won't live long. The odds are against that. So what time I have left, I will dedicate to you. I'll always be close. Like hide and seek. Now, about Mary. <laughs> to kill a man is easy. But kill what he loves, and he dies a thousand times. Please don't hurt her. Please. I'll see you. But you won't see me. He just wanted to kill boys. So he was, this guy was out there killing prostitutes. He never got caught. Mm-hmm. Sly's character never caught him. But he took offense to the fact that he was being investigating. Arrested. The fact that they had the fact that he was the lead investigator on a serial killer of, of prostitutes bent him so far out of shape that he ceased killing the prostitutes. Yeah, what a weird pivot. And pivoted to killing cops. <laughs> Killed nine cops, I think, in six months before telling Jake Malloy. I've killed these nine cops and your ex-partner and your soon-to-be ex-fiance, dead fiance, all because you thwarted my <laughs> killing of prostitutes. That is his motive. Was the end game to kill Jake Malloy or okay. to make him suffer? I think it was by a combination. His- well, he killed his girlfriend to make. Well, him he suffer. killed his girlfriend. After that, what else are you going to do? He doesn't. He didn't have any other family. That's it. Game over. Like, yeah, he killed his girl because yeah, he says the best thing the killer. That we don't know who it is yet, as far as this film's concerned. We don't, we haven't been introduced yet. The killer, he says the only way to live is to watch the last life of someone's before they die, look in their eyes before they die. Like, you know, classic, oh, you're so evil. Anyway, so there you go. So he calls out, he's at my house. He's at my house. And Charles S. Dutton's character right away goes, 3111, whatever street. I don't even know my address that quickly. This guy knows his partner's yeah, address. So they could set up a, a phone trace. 
The cops will go to the house, right, uh, to uh, Jake Malloy. Well, not a phone trace. Yeah, just so they could get yeah, there. Just yeah, just so they could get there because uh-huh. it's pre-GPS, right? So anyway, so, the, the, so by the time Sly's character gets to the house, the house is already full of at least 30 of the 50 cops. Charles S. Dutton's already there. Why did he- <laughs> <laughs> uh, Why is Sly the last one there? I question a lot about this scene, too, because he knows what he's walking into as well. I guess that's something you'd want to see for yourself. They all like part like the Red Seas, right. too. Like, don't you think anybody would be like, hey, you don't want to see this or, you know, there's no reason for you to see this. I'd like to think if I was on that scene, I'd be a little I'd show a little bit of empathy and a little bit of human compassion there. Well, like, yeah, Doug stepped away from the camera. So I'll ask him the question when he comes back. My question is really for the for the for the police officer in our midst is uh, what would be the protocol if it's a police officer's spouse or friend or at, at a crime scene? So, Doug, we actually do have a legit question for you. Heaven forbid it's one of your friends, but just let's just say one of your friends, a co-worker, their spouse gets killed, their girlfriend gets killed. You're already at a crime scene with that same individual's spouse or family member gets killed. How close into that crime scene can they go into? They rush back to the residence because they always see in the TV shows, oh, you're too close to this case. Oh, like a conflict of interest type well, yeah, of but situation? Be, I understand that's – their dead wife or father or whatever. Or just crime scene contamination you're talking about, Ryan? A combination of that. And for all we know, it, you know, there could have been, isn't family always the first suspect to begin with? I suppose, but they usually wouldn't put a cop whose friend or relative got killed because you can't let personal feelings get in the way of an investigation. You have to keep it as... When all those cops part for him, they part, like I said to Ryan, they part like the Red Seas to let him through. Would you be more inclined to be like, hey, you don't need to see this or there's no reason for you to see this? Or is that something you just step back and say, hey... You could try to be like, listen, you don't you don't want to go in there, but okay. I mean, think about it. Would you let anybody stop you? No, no but I'd make no, the attempt, no, right? No yeah. Sly's character goes into the uh, bedroom or living room wherever she was killed. And now she's hanging from a noose, so another hanging uh, victim. So she's hanging. Her eyes drilled out or shot or both. I don't know. So she, she's hanging. He picks her down. And again, still so far, you're kind of like, okay, it's that slasher kill, seven light kills. Okay, it's not too bad, whatever. It is 1999. I keep that in mind. I don't care when it was released. It was filmed in 99. Yeah, so well, and, and if it took place today, how do you drill through a ring doorbell, a ring <laughs> camera? Yeah, <laughs> like, uh, yeah I don't know. Yeah. Now, so this is a very busy day for Sly, Sly's character. And so now another call comes in. He's at this scene. So we've got the murder in the morning of the cop. And then now we've got the murder of his girlfriend. And now the, another call comes in saying, we've got him. We've got him. And how did they get him? They got him because he was wearing some sort of Kevlar vest or something with blood on it or something. They, what's the story? Security guard spotted him standing inside the yard covered in blood, dressed in SWAT gear. Son of a bitch didn't say a word, just opened fire. God, okay. Took one in the leg. Lost a lot of blood. Was able to call for backup before he passed out. Let's not forget the part, the old trope, keep him on the phone. We almost got him. (laughs) Two minutes. (laughs) Yeah. Now they go to where this, that's like a classic factory abandoned warehouse or whatever. So they go to this. Another saw-like location. I don't even remember what brought them there. What, what was yeah, it? Well, that's what I mean. I'll insert Neither the Neither did I, Doug, until Ryan just said it was a phone call saying that they found yeah, it. Yeah, it, well, it wasn't a phone call. It was like a cop came running in. They've, they've got him. They've got him. <laughs> so they're at the crime scene. Someone's just killed a cop, and someone's just killed my girlfriend. And this person was the prostitute killer that I was chasing. I hope we get this guy one day. And literally within an hour, they've caught the guy, which I guess if he truly has blood all over him, 
but there's been no witnesses. So if I like Joe Blow in downtown whatever city and I see some guy walk around with blood on him, I'm not going to just call in and say, hey, I heard you guys had two killings today. I think this might be your – I don't know how the APB went out on this guy. There's no indication there's any – Witnesses who saw what he looked like. But anyways, they got him. Within an hour, they got this guy. Now, again, all the SWAT and cop cars are at this new location. And already I'm thinking, well, Sly can't go to this. He's His headspace is not mm-hmm. – uh, now, for real, his mental health is not appropriate for work. He's carrying a weapon. Mm-hmm. He, he's a, he'll be an issue for himself and for others. Your wife-to-be is dead. You are not coming on this run. But of course, they bring him in the cop car. And the one credit I'll give to the actor, or sorry, to the writers and to the director, is at least they showed Sly's character being distraught. At least they showed that his headspace was effed up. They did show it because he, he looked like he was like, oh, the world's actually spinning around him a little bit. That could have been Sly, for all we know. <laughs> what do you mean? Like him, like him saying, hey, this is how I need to react. I mean, could you be, know, he could have said, look, this is crazy that I'm here, so I'm going to show that I shouldn't be here, but I'm here anyways. So that was a bit of credibility for me at that moment where I was like, okay, at least they're showing that he shouldn't be there. His head is not screwed on right. But lo and behold, he's there, and this is the problem because he starts wandering around looking for the guy, whatever. He, yeah, he gets he gets separated from everybody. Like, well, he just he goes on his own arbitrary – looking for this guy does this have to be a, one of those cases of like movie coincidence well this is where it gets very murky because this mastermind killer he's purposely been found and this is so okay okay so we see a shadow figure in a window up high where stallone is stallone sees this figure he sees this guy like oh there he is so he goes on a foot chase to get this guy the guy shoots, so they're doing like a very seven, like, yeah, talk about seven, a very like off in the distance mm-hmm. shooting back and forth at each other. So I'm thinking to myself, okay, this guy has lured Stallone's character to the warehouse. It's a credible trap that he's involved in all this police force. He's done enough that he has called himself to get caught by the police, but he's far enough away that he's not been caught by the police. His thing is that he's always close enough where he can watch what's going on. He can be like a voyeur, but not be seen by anybody else. But Yeah, a real call went out to the police force saying, Mm -hmm. we've got him, but they don't have him. They had a sighting. We're led to believe that he's somehow trapped in this location because they got him, but he's running around on the loose. I really wish we were a video podcast right now, Ryan, because your whole – way you expressed yourself during that was beautiful. Oh. <laughs> Hand gestures, eye gestures. It was wonderful to watch. Yeah, thank you. And then, uh, <laughs> so Sly's character sees, sees what we believe is the killer, right? And he does a foot mm-hmm. chase through the warehouse. Da, da, da. The, the bad guy shoots at him. Are we led to believe he's missing on purpose? If that's the case then, so he pounds, so Sly's character then goes gets to the very end of the chase, pounds open a door, sees a body, I'm not a police officer, Doug, you are. My understanding is one of the first things you train in weapons training is you make sure you, whatever you're shooting at, you know what you're shooting at. Yeah. Sly breaks, you know, you could say, yeah, his headspace is, we know it's effed up. I understand that. But he's a veteran FBI agent at this point. He busts. He doesn't down. even give like the bullshit Cobra drop the weapon. No, he you know, busts opens the door. <laughs> yeah, he busts opens the door, sees a body and just shoots it. Now, it turns out the body is hanging Whose body is that? We're led to believe as the viewer that is the killer, that somehow he had a foot chase against Sly, hung himself, chained him. I I was thinking that the killer set 
fly up at this point. That's what I thought. I thought it was supposed yeah. to be that he killed an innocent person. You know who I thought that was? I thought that was the guard that made the call and the, he got captured. There's two things happening. The person that's hanging on the chain, we're led to believe that he committed suicide and then got shot by Sly's character. But I thought it was an innocent person that he was put there that Sly shot by accident. Then he was going to go to some sort of mental hospital jail. That's where I thought I was going to go. I had a little bit of a whirlwind of emotions during this part too because I, I couldn't make heads or tails of it. I thought that the person hanging there was wearing like a SWAT uniform. Yeah. So then I thought, oh shit, this guy took this guy, tied him up, and Sly just killed him. But then I thought, wait, maybe the guy killed him and hung him up just as a dummy for something to trip up Sly to get him to shoot something when he came through the door. But none of it made any sense. Except if he did tie up at like an innocent person and just hang him there, when Sly bursted through the door, he pretty much just killed somebody. Was but no it was way. never addressed. It was never addressed. Now, according to Wikipedia, the plot that was provided by whoever on Wikipedia, it just says this, that Malloy pursues the killer in that warehouse only to find that he appears to have committed suicide. But we as a viewer, because we're not idiots – the three of us, but we're thinking in movie. Well, that's debatable. Well, <laughs> not complete morons. Can we go with that? Because yeah, we're literally there was just a foot chase. There wasn't enough time for somebody to hang themselves. Like even if you wanted to be killed by cop, he didn't have enough time to put this on me. Got to put this on me. Hang myself up. Play dead. He gets shot by <laughs> Sly's character. Right. I thought at that moment that he had killed an innocent or at the very least shot his weapon without thinking a guy, you know, shot a dead body already, which is still can't look good for a police officer because either way it was somebody hanging that he shot. That's going to look bad on the police officer. But we see three months later and when it said three months later, I thought, oh, he's in jail. He's either in jail or he's in Mm -hmm. some sort of mental hospital. No, he's sitting in a bar getting drunk. Your typical Hollywood bar too. Like that is the quintessential Hollywood designed bar huge open space i was like oh my god that looks so much like a a movie bar maybe that is the movie bar like that's the bar they use and then charles s dutton does the stupidest effing thing you buying shares in this place hey kill me again listen to me i've been digging around there's this place out in Wyoming. It's a detox center. Just, just hear me out this time. It's run by a former cop, four cops. You know, if she never met me, never knew me, she'd still be alive. I'm where I want to be, where I should be. That's where I am. Okay. I'll make you a deal. You blow your brains out like a damn man and stop pissing on Mary's memory one sorry ass day at a time, and I'll take care of your tab. What the fuck is. What's the matter with you? What's the matter? It's all right, everybody. It's all right. It's all right. It's a little accident. Everybody relax. What's the matter with you? Whether you like it or not, you still got a life to live. It doesn't end here. Doug. <laughs> Is it wise to give a suicidal cop a loaded weapon and say, "Why don't you just kill yourself like a man?" Is that what they te- is that what they teach you in uh, reverse psychology? In cop reverse psychology? Uh, as if the movie wasn't ridiculous up to this point, it it just takes on a whole new level. And then he gets pissed when he shoots it into the ceiling. 
Like, what are you doing? Yeah, you wanted yeah. him to kill himself. Like, are you mad that he didn't kill himself? Well, he I, didn't think he'd actually let off a round inside the bar. Him shooting the weapon into the ceiling was actually the most surprising part of the whole film. Probably the most entertaining <laughs> part of the whole film was him actually taking it. And then, and then what does Charles S. Dutton says? He says, it's all, it's okay, folks. You know, just a joke. It was or an something. accident. Like, he said yeah, it was like, an accident. Can you imagine and meanwhile, shooting, like, a, shooting the gun in the bar? How panicky you would be at that moment? And was anybody above? Up there, like a lot of bars have apartments above them. Because some guy there watching TV, and all of a sudden a bullet comes flying through his floor. <laughs> Can you imagine? He, like shot a baby sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! It's like that's, but that's where this movie could have gone. One ridiculous moment after another. Not only it, is he not in jail, yeah, he still has a job. He's still a full fledged. Yeah. He's still an FBI agent. He, he's on leave though, right? Sure. But I don't think know, that was even stated. No, because when he went to the detox center, he handed in his gun and badge, which is your mm. classic. When you have your gun and badge, that pretty much indicates I am still a licensed active active officer. I'm trying to think. The guys that I've, I've known, a few guys that have been suspended, and they've had to turn in their gun. I don't think they've ever had to turn in their badge. Is, is it possibly different, Doug, if you're suspended with pay or without pay? Uh, yeah, it might be. But he handed in his weapon and his badge at the detox center. So he had both regardless. Was this scene in the bar before or after he breaks into his old apartment or his old house? And It was before. He shoots okay. the gun in the air and then he goes to his house that's now been emptied. You know, it's for whatever reason is now empty. And he goes into the living room where his girlfriend was killed. Mm-hmm. And this was actually a moment where I was like, oh, this is kind of like, wow. Sly slits his wrists. Mm-hmm. You know, speaking of fourteen-year-old slasher films, this is very uh, emo of him to, to, to yeah. To start but he did. He knows better. It, it, was, it was a bullshit suicide attempt. Was he cry, went left to right instead help. of up and down. Yeah, it was a cry for help, kill, or attempt. So, Amateur hour. Yeah, it was. He, he cut his wrist to feel the pain. The pain is real. So the next scene, I guess, is him and Dutton driving to the facility. Cops only rehab facility. And apparently there used to be 100 there at one point. Now there's just 10. Which is good. I guess they're doing their job. They're churning and burning, man. They're, they're helping these officers through their trauma and getting them back on the streets. But there's nothing more dark and dank about Wyoming in the winter. Yeah, not just Wyoming in the winter, which is depressing in itself. But you, you want, you're trying to dig these people out of, out of the deepest, darkest holes in their lives. And you put them in this... Underground, <laughs> underground <laughs> missile silo, where it's just dark, no daylight getting in. Like, how is that supposed to lift anybody's I, spirits? It, yeah, I love how they explain. So, Chris Christopherson in a thankless role. In fact, everyone's role in this film is thankless. They have a pretty good plethora of actors. You've got Tom Berenger. You've got, of course, the great Robert Patrick. You've got, which is a reunite. He reunited with Sly after Copland. That's right. You've got uh, Jeffrey Wright, great actor. Early uh, Jeffrey Wright too, right? Yeah. I think the first thing I remember Jeffrey Wright in was Shaft, two thousand. Well, mine was uh, actual Angel Angels in America on HBO. Was I think where I first saw. Oh. Wow. Yeah. Doug, can you outdo that? <laughs> no. This was probably the first thing I've ever seen him in. Oh, do you watch uh, Westworld? He's in that. Oh, he's the guy. Yeah, that's him. <laughs> he also played uh, Felix Leiter in the Daniel Craig Bond movies. Uh, great actor. Actually, he's a great actor. So this is, uh, oh, he's a tremendous actor. Yeah, so this is... Yeah, no, no, this is loaded. <laughs> if you see this cast on paper, you're like a movie guy. You probably have to change after you read the cast list because... You're making a mess. 
Sly is the king of incredible ensemble casts that produce nothing. <laughs> Don't deliver. <laughs> <laughs> with the exception of Copland, right? <laughs> and I have my, you know, it's funny. I love that movie, but I still have my issues with it. I feel like there's so much. Well, I said it during our review of that, that it would have been better served as a, uh, as a miniseries. The same way that Sean Malloy thought The Expendables was like that. I feel that way about Copland. Copland had incredible characters with that didn't go anywhere. Yeah, yeah. everybody needed to be developed yeah. at their own space. It was too much going on. There's just too much mm-hmm. going on for a two-hour movie. We run a dual diagnosis program here. It's a fancy way of saying we're going to detox your ass and then tackle your demons head-on in group sessions. I was a cop for 12 years before I took a shot at drinking myself to death. So I know what keeps you up at night. Gonna make it all go away, huh? Not even gonna try. No magic wands here. The shit you swallow doesn't digest. You carrying a weapon, Mr. Malloy? I'll have to confiscate it. Need the shield, too. So Chris Christopherson here basically explains, we're gonna get you off your alcohol addiction we're going to deal with your alcohol addiction first and then treat your everything else, right? Isn't that how he explains it? Sure. I think at this point we'll just say whatever we want because I mean, we are hitting – well, actually, I haven't hit the hour mark yet, but we're getting – He's going to have him de- detox basically. Like yeah, we're going sure to, to, You're going to go cold turkey and then we'll deal with all the mental shit behind it. So we have a nurse there, of course. We have one nurse that works there. She's overworked, of course, and she, of course, is you know pretty – Let's get your blood and urine sample. See what we're up against. Our resident psychiatrist was an Air Force consultant here for four years. I'll take that. When the facility shut down, she signed on with us. She's pulling double duty as a nurse until we get fully staffed. We used to take care of almost 100 patients here. There's only 10 of you cops. But judging from your case files, I don't think anyone's going to be bored. I love how quickly a bond forms between her and Sly's character. Even though there are younger people there that she could connect with. Yeah. But no, Sly's an old wise soul. But again, we're led to believe he's probably 38 in the film. I guarantee you, they think he's 38. That's supposed to be his character's age. Maybe 40. Now, I've seen her somewhere before. Her name is Polly Walker. And uh, I will say she was the best part of the film. I like her. Everybody was forgettable. Every single character was forgettable from beginning to end. <laughs> wow. So Polly Walker, Polly Walker, whatever the hell her name is, fell out of my brain the second that movie ended. A lot of wasted cast. Stephen Lang. Stephen Lang was in it. Do you ever watch yeah. uh, you ever watch Tombstone? One of my favorite films of all times. La dog go around here no more, la dog. Stephen Lang was the bad guy in Avatar. Yes, he was in that as well. That's him, yeah. He's also in that yeah. other one. He's in that horror film. Speaking of horror films, uh, what was it called? Where he plays a blind guy in the house? Oh, yeah, and he gets he up all those kids. That's a great film. He's a great actor. Yeah. He's one of those great character actors. He was wasted in he, this film. He also did a movie with Jason Momoa called Braven, which mm. is, I think it's on Netflix, and it's it, we watched it on Amazon Prime. I think he either plays his father-in-law his father, and he's, he's suffering from dementia. Okay. But if you haven't watched Braven, totally in our wheelhouse here. It's a great oh, action cool. movie. It's oh, like yeah. a 90-minute kind of Rambo-esque. Like an underrated Jason Momoa gem if those exist. 
And we had, uh, well, I, I like Jason Moore. He's all right. Robert Prosky, the old gentleman who played that RCMP officer. Yeah, that's a face you've seen like a million times. Yeah, he's been in uh, tons of stuff, uh, broadcast news, uh, uh, far and away. With Ron, Ron Howard. Howard. That's the Ron Howard connection. Yeah, he was actually in Last Action Hero, Mrs. Delphire. He's been in tons of uh, Miracle on 34th Street, 94 version. He played the judge. Now, it's funny because he plays – a 30-year veteran. This is where the ages really mess. I don't understand why they cast him for this. He's a 30-year veteran of the RCMP. He's 68 in the film. So that means he j- started when he was 38. 38. <laughs> now, though it's possible. Yeah, I was going to say, not impossible. No, no but I heard I, because I work in the same government as RCMP, the, the mandatory retirement age for military is 60. So there's no way... RCMP is any different. I don't think they are. It's no way they would let a 60. So at this point in this poor guy's career, and I will say his kill, the one that he got, he got electrocuted. Remember that part? He got electrocuted by the killer in this film. And I would say his kill was the most brutal. I felt so bad for this old man getting just beaten to death. And then, uh, and then he was electrocuted. Why do they have a electrocution table there? <laughs> Whatever purpose that silo used to serve, right? Yeah. Wasn't it like, prison of some sort before no, it was a, it, no, it was an Air Force test base. Come on. Let's get you checked in. The place was built in the 50s. It's a command and control center for strategic air command. Satellites made the facility obsolete, so they converted it to a military site. Uncle Sam put it on the market last year. It's isolated as hell, and that's why it chose it. You're the last of our patients to arrive. Oh, see, that shows you how much I was paying attention. <laughs> but there happened to be a workable, lethal. <laughs> okay, so there's 10 cops from 10 different backgrounds with very light character development in this facility that operates like a prison, essentially. There's nothing in it but concrete and steel. They live in basically cells, there's no windows. So, yeah. And it's Breslin's job to figure out how to get out. Oh, no. Wrong, <laughs> wrong movie. Yeah. It might, yeah. It almost acts more like a prison. Well, I guess a lot of rehabs are in some sense. But there's no windows. It's in the tundra. Of course, it's winter. Spoiler alert. If you haven't seen the film, we are now going to spoil who the killer is. The, the killer is one of these 10 cops. Well, he's not a cop, though. What was he again? Do you remember the part where the guy comes floating up in the, oh. the icy lake that guy was the real what the hell was his name scotty or smitty or whatever the was frank slater like frank slater slater so he, he stole slater's identity yes. yeah so he killed slater threw him in the lake stole his identity and showed up at the detox okay that's right so help me out with the timeline guys okay sly is taken to this facility by charles s dutton's character right how did this killer know that this was happening. It was probably in the paper, right? You know, disgraced FBI agent going into rehab in Wyoming. Do they advertise that stuff, though? People's medical? No. This is what I don't understand. Let's go back to the beginning of the film. When they're at the pub, they're at the bar. Remember, he says, I see you. You don't see me. The killer, ladies and gentlemen, not only is he imitating one of these cops, not only does he have a human or superhuman strength to do the killings that he did before the facility and at the facility, he was actually one of the uh, kitchen staff bartenders <laughs> at the pub that the cops were at. And the reason why you could argue that how he knew that 
Malloy was going to go to this facility was he heard the chatter with the cops at the bar. So he then goes up and says, well, I'm not a cop, so I can't get to this facility. So what I'm going to have to do is I'm going to have to somehow hide myself, kill a cop, take steal his identity, somehow trick the doc at the facility that I am indeed this person because I guess they wouldn't have any pictures of me. It's just name only. But why? Then his game is I'm going to F up his detox plan by killing people around him. Then he'll be my last kill. Isn't that so incredibly risky though? If you're in a facility that is everybody else there is law enforcement agent of some kind that comes with a certain amount of training and a certain skill set to steal a line from Liam Neeson. It's not like you're picking off Sly's fiance here. I mean, you've got deer that are going to shoot back potentially. Even more than that, Frank Slater, the character or the person that he took the identity from, he's actually a British police officer. So now we have to argue, did this impersonator fake the British accent? (laughs) (laughs) Now, the actor who played the British officer or faked that identity is actually from Britain. So the actor didn't have to fake the accent. But did the character fake the accent to do that identity because – the doc would have to know that this guy's from Britain. It was said in the show. Well, wouldn't the modulator pick up the British? I kind of feel like if you used one of those modulators, if you had an accent, yeah. He, no, he's an American worker. All he was, he was a killer who lived in America, and he took a job at the pub that the cops worked at, so he could track Jake Malloy. He was an American speaker. He then took on a British voice to impersonate the cop that he killed, so he came to the facility. <laughs> I'm honestly, ladies and gentlemen, who are listening to this episode, if you're still listening, I'm not making any of this up. This is what happened in the film. That's a big if. I, I would like to uh, highlight, if we can, um, sure. some good acting performances. Can we talk a little bit about Robert Patrick and Sean Patrick Flannery? Who had a very small role. Very small, but very, I thought, impactful. Sean Patrick Flannery is basically, he's a footnote now. I mean, there's probably people that are watching that unless they watch Boondock the Saints. Boondock Saints, yeah. they have no idea or they're not going to be like, oh my God, it's the young Indiana Jones guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, he is coming out with a movie this year. Called, yeah, an MMA movie. Yeah, called Born Didn't he go down Born like the, the Mickey Rourke mm-hmm. route with, with the face? Like I remember when they made the Boondock Saints sequel, he looked different. He had Mickey Rourke himself up. He does look like a little bit I, I of a big work protege. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's 55 now already. Okay. Wow. A little bit older than I thought. Well, I guess, yeah. I mean, this movie came out 23 years ago. So, But his part when he was talking about the trauma that he went through was – it was descriptive, disturbing. They told me to put him in the bag. The pieces. They're so tiny. Every once in a while I'd get a whole hand or part of a leg, mostly blood, it was everywhere. And little fingers were rolling around. I dropped it. I, I tried to gather them up. There was so much blood. I could still smell it. 21 preschoolers were blown to pieces. Some of the fingers still had paint on them. They were finger painting, but it happened. And 
utterly pointless in a movie like this. <laughs> True. No, no, I mean, I mean seriously, to get back to the – Oh, I keep forgetting he played Powder. And he was also – speaking of the Saw connection, he was in Saw 3D with uh, Dina Meyer. Yeah, and Robert Patrick, great actor, uh, wasted on this film. He did a great job. He, the moment when he knew that he was going to die, his face changed. He was like the badass, loudmouth mm-hmm. shit talker the whole time. But the moment that he knew he was going to die, everything changed. Like yeah, saw a, it a little and, cliche, but it was a, a job well done by him. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Look, we're, we're getting blood from a stone here, fellas. So keep, <laughs> let's highlight where we can highlight. How soon did you know it was the uh, British guy was the killer? Be honest. Probably not as soon as I should have. Yeah. Admittedly, this movie didn't hold my attention very well. I, I knew, obviously, that it was one of the Circle of Ten, obviously. And oh, my, yeah, mind, yeah. my mind was already going, like, if it's one of these. They set it up to be Tom Berenger. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they also set it up to be um, Jeffrey Wright. Those are the two. No, no. It was uh, uh, Stephen Ling's character because he was crazy because he killed his North yeah. Korean commander or whatever. North Korea, he killed his officer. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe you should tell them about Jack. Hey, lady, what the hell is he talking about? I don't know. Bullshit. You tell him or I will. Jenny, Doc's missing. Two men are dead. Now, if there's something you need to tell us about, Jack, now is the time. You should check his service record. Already did that. The guy was a patient here. Oh, that's great. The son of a bitch murdered his commanding officer over in South Korea. Strangling with his bare hands. He's a psycho. We all know those are red herrings. They're, they're misdirects. We understand that. We've seen enough films to know, of course, that's not who it is because we haven't seen them forever. I actually figured – I'll tell you when I figured it out. It was uh, when the guy kept being too – when the British impersonator was too nice to slide. I forget which scene it was, but it was like, oh, it's him. He's being too understanding, mm-hmm. too like, oh, man, you, you know, the first night's the hardest. Maybe it was that one. You know, it's, it's tough here, man. You, <laughs> you know, and so it was then I was like, oh, you're the killer. You're the killer. <laughs> I, I had a feeling early on because it was kind of the case of one of these things just doesn't belong here. You're in a room full of like wild, really over the top, crazy, mentally challenged individuals, right. guys that have gone through trauma. And then right. there's this one British guy who's stone faced and you know really didn't seem to have any trauma going on. The big reveal was there's two things. So Sly, he, he discovered a, a match book from mm-hmm. the pub from the bar yeah. from the bar in the room of the fake police officer or fake british officer and then two then he went to the body of one of the kills they had at the freezer they're they restoring the dead bodies as they piled up in the uh, meat freezer he opened up the eyelids and he had this weird feelings like i thought he was going to perform an autopsy but no, no, he just, he happened like, oh, this guy's all about the eyes. I see you. So he's like, oh, he must have been leaving a clue in the eyes. So he pulled up the eyelid and one eyelid said I and the other eyelid said see you underneath the that, eyes. That was the stupidest <laughs> calling card trick I've ever seen because nobody looks under the goddamn eye. No. You're trying to send out a message to one individual straight underneath the eyelid. Who's ever going to see that? Okay, guys. Just do it on the on the front of the eye, right? Yeah, like, sure. Yeah. Guys, keep in mind, this British officer guy, who's now, we know he's the killer. He did this somehow, somewhere between this guy's death and before he went to the freezer found by the other. How did he lift up the eyelid, do all that artwork without being caught? <laughs> I'm angry. <laughs> well, the votes came in, guys. Again, I wonder why people want us to review this one. I'm not sure. We put up three piles of crap. One of them was going to win. 
I actually think that this movie is sort of held in somewhat regard with fringe Stallone fans that got excited about the director's cut and, and Doug, that's the reason the director's cut came out because of fans like that, that are like, Oh, but you haven't seen detox. If you think Stallone's a bad actor, you haven't seen detox. This movie's it's held in regard by a certain section of the fandom. Wow. Oh, we should have seen the director's cut. <clears throat> we'll do a special episode on that. No, I think it's over. I think there's um there's a website. It's like, um, I'm looking I think at it right now. I, there's people. Is it movie done. censorship? The site, the first site that came up was called, uh, yeah, Movie Censorship. Okay, because they do really, really good breakdowns of what's different between unrated and R-rated cuts. And I know that I read the, like, the first paragraph of this one. They said this is really unfair because the cuts are so different. Really? Oh, that's interesting. And See, now I'm kind of curious. Maybe <laughs> – I don't know. Maybe should we should we do like a mini bonus episode? Watch the director. Would you guys be up to watching the director's cut? I'm kind of curious. I'm kind of curious. Maybe there's a good movie in there. If there's a good movie in there, I would be open to it. It would just be an appendage, but the, I mean, it wouldn't have to be a full hour and twenty minute discussion. But we could do like a. I'm kind of curious. I would say as a project because we have nothing but time in our future doing these stolen films. I think this might be a film where a director's cut of some notoriety did come out to salvage this film. It's basically released the Jim Gillespie, yeah, whatever his name is, cut. I'm quickly perusing the um, movie censorship site. It looks like they've done a great job. I don't want to read too much of it because I wouldn't mind kind of watching the film. But it looks like it's quite different extensively, uh, enough that it's quite a lot to read of how it's different. I might have a hard time remembering the theatrical cut then. <laughs> well, you just I... use this website to remind yourself, I, I would say. But right. yeah, I, I hear you. Uh, I might put the feelers out there to see if anyone can get us a <coughs> get us a copy. <coughs> yep. Hold on a minute, though. So it says the running time of the running time of this film is uh, the director's cut is one hour thirty four minutes and forty one seconds. Okay. It's the never before seen original version of ICU with its original title. Oh, so okay. So the original title is Detox. That's the version I saw. I said detox. So, Ryan, you probably watched the director's cut and didn't even realize it. Are you serious? Because it's an hour and 34 minutes yeah. and 41 seconds. The call is coming from inside the house. Right? <laughs> oh, hold on. But it says they listed the director's <laughs> cut of the film that is included on the disc in the special features. This version is the only surviving copy, and it was a VHS dub from an avid edit. MVD has done a great job with taking this only source and ensuring it's the best possible quality by reframing out the time code bars and giving us an anamorphic. Did I watch uh, the director's cut already? Was it good? Well, no, because it seems like our breakdown. Okay. (laughs) We were talking about the same movie. So either the director's cut isn't as night and day as we thought. But I know for a fact the version that's on Tubi is called ICU. From what they've said, uh, unless in Canada... It was released as Detox. All I'll say is if I watch a director's cut and it's as bad or worse than this, I'm going to kill you both. (laughs) (laughs) What was the source you watched it on, Ryan? Andy sent me a copy. Okay. Okay, right here. In ICU version, Jake is excited to see the ring and is a little coy about the price, but then agrees to buy it. Change of scene to a pub. He's having a drink with his police. Okay, the detox version begins with the murder of the cop. Okay, there you go. So we didn't see the, we didn't see the detox. Yeah, we didn't watch the director. This sequence stuff. is not very different from the ICU version, not even in the moments of violence. Then come the previously discussed open credits with the killer calling. After that, Jake is driven directly to the bunker and taken to the facility. 
this also doesn't differ from the ICU version in terms of content, with the difference that there are several time jumps interspersed, uh, like Jake drinking, discussing with the cops, coming to the crime scene. Okay, that doesn't give us a lot, but it seems like... Are you 100% it said detox yes, on the title? because that was the first thing I noticed. Like, oh, Because the first thought I had when I saw the detox, and it was D-tox, yeah. was that, oh, it, that's the official name of the movie. Oh, I don't know why we're debating this. I'm looking at detox. The same way I looked at uh, victory. It said victory. It didn't say escape the victory, the version I saw. Hmm. Right here, okay. The opening credits are strikingly different in the detox version. The montage and fade-ins are designed differently. But here, too, there is a call from the killer, but the content is much clearer. I did have a call from the killer in the opening version. <laughs> I think you watched the director's cut, right? Oh, my gosh. Your version, guys. Here's yours. The opening credits of the ICU version starts with the killer's confusing call to police in which he... Explains his mindset. Oh, I heard that natural selection. Mm-hmm. They're only mm-hmm. the only option to win, lose, and death. Mm-hmm. And the police are a disturbing element in this process. If you remove them, man shows his true face because he's not good by nature. The weak would be erased, and that's the nature intended. That's a cla- from ICU. Yeah, a collage yeah. headquarters with the many badges as trophies and mm-hmm. his handicrafts. With, okay, I think I see. Yeah, I'm so confused. I just don't understand why it says detox because according to the movie censorship website the only time it was ever called detox was on jim gillespie's vhs avid edit cut that they cropped out the time code no i saw the icu version because i'm looking at the side-by-side stills they're doing here i saw the i saw the because they're showing slide getting the ring and they show during that same time the cop getting killed i think they're you know what i'm wondering ryan the blu-ray release that they put out back in july the director's cut was a bonus feature Okay. I wonder if they just called them both detox for this so. release. Because there's a Blu-ray copy that I got. Yeah. Okay. So that's probably what they did. They called Andy the ripped it, ripped Andy, it from his Blu-ray? No, Andy. Yeah. Let's just say Andy. I don't know where he goes, but he finds stuff in a heartbeat and gets them to me very quickly. So I don't think it's worth watching the director's cut. <laughs> Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, we just had a quick like, side-by-side discussion on the website. And it doesn't seem that there's enough there to warrant a director's cut viewing to actually to save this film i don't think you can zack snyder this film well we haven't even seen the snyder cut yet i know it's gonna be better i know it is i have faith i'm a, I'm a it's gonna supporter. be four hours with a cliffhanger that will never be resolved ryan it's gonna be bad i don't care i'm a snyder supporter i don't care oh i want to end with this last thing guys thoughts on the final kill <laughs> i don't have any are you kidding me? I can't wait to see. One of the first things I'm going to do tomorrow morning is snip that kill and put it on our Facebook page. It was For, graphic, but. Well, I just thought it was hilarious. Okay, it was that classic. We see you know, they have a final fight, the killer and Sly's character. They have a final fight in a warehouse barn or whatever, cottage barn. And there's like a spiked, a spike sort of instrument or mechanical instrument. And we know that, of course, the bad guys are going to get impaled on this thing. So the bad guy does get impaled, and it's actually not too bad. He says, you know, just before your wife died or your girlfriend dies, she begged for her life, blah, blah, type dog. It's actually pretty. He's really just not quitting being the bad guy. Sly's character gets pissed off, takes him off the spikes. Then he lifts the body above his head with his own super strength and mm-hmm. impales him again. <laughs> I thought that was one of the best Sly kills I've seen on film history. I'm not even going to lie. 
I thought it was a great kill. I thought the double impale was something I've never seen before. Pulling him off the impale, the, impaling them again. That part when he pulled him off the spikes and then like flipped them around over his head yeah. and, and then like drove him back through the, the spikes. That like that was impressive. Yeah. It, uh, I, now but, see this or something. <laughs> yeah. So I thought that was a a moment of. I got to admit in, in this whole film of just slasher film, whatever, it was kind of fun just to see a little bit of a old school sly killing of a bad guy in all the films I've ever seen and all those impale moments we see in films. This is the first time we've seen the victim be pulled off and put back on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, that was ICU ladies and gentlemen. what do you think? I hadn't watched ICU in close to 20 years and I probably will never watch ICU again. No, we'll, we'll, I'll die. Never seen it again. It's an easy, Although I've said that before. I said that about The Lords of Flatbush, and I've watched that again since. I know I'm going to eat my effing hat here, and I'm going to be talking about this on a damn Slycast episode in two years. (laughs) Oh, man. My final thoughts on it are, I think there was a story there if they would have kept the investigation of a cop killer going. Even after Sly's love interest gets killed, you know, and and then he's got to wrestle with that, not being able to put his personal feelings aside and it becoming personal. Like, I think there was a story there. The whole detox part in snowy Wyoming, you just throw right in the garbage. I got a hand to this uh, guy who impersonated the uh, British officer, you know, got the British accent, did all the killings, all the uh, tattooing, all the uh, hanging ups and all the stuff that he did and got back in place to trick his counterparts. Full credit to him and also full credit to him to correlate the snowstorm during this time. (laughs) He was able to – he just mapped this whole thing out, man. It's an absolute super villain, an absolute super villain. (laughs) It was Emperor Palpatine style pre-planning. Yeah. yeah. If only he had put his all of his his energy towards good. Can you imagine what he could have done? <laughs> well, imagine what he could have done had he just decided just to keep killing prostitutes. <laughs> he didn't have to go after the cops. I mean, he was never caught. Yeah, he could have just picked up where he left off with the prostitutes and been like, oh. Best motive in uh, cinematic history of a serial killer is he was interrupted. His his prostitute killing was interrupted, and he turned his efforts on killing cops. Like, talk about up in the ante. It was interrupted by an investigation. That should be the message to any future prostitute killers on our show that listen to the show. Uh, you can fully expect to be investigated, so just keep that in mind. Don't let that discourage you. <laughs> oh, brother. All right. Well, with this has been another great episode of the uh, Sylvester Sloan Podcast Network. Doug, just want to plug uh, your show and Craig yours, and then we'll uh, sign off. Yeah. Uh, Rocky Minute is my show. Uh, we go through the Rocky movies one minute at a time. We are uh, re-releasing our old episodes on the feed. We're halfway through season two, so get ready for season three. It's coming at you. Can't wait. Yeah, excellent. The most active I am podcasting-wise, aside from this network, is with my new show, Conversations at Jackrabbit Slims, where as of this recording, 10 episodes in. And as you listen to this, this is an April release, right, Ryan? Yes. You're going to have an opportunity to hear me and Ryan podcast twice in the month of April on this episode. And then also Ryan is going to be my guest on Conversations at Jackrabbit Slims for the April episode. And real high-level elevator pitch for Conversations at Jackrabbit Slims. It's a podcast about Pulp Fiction. So every episode I bring on a fan of the movie and we chat Pulp Fiction, but a lot of times we go down a lot of other roads as well. It's not solely just a Pulp Fiction discussion, and it's been something I've had a lot of fun doing. Look forward to continuing on there. Slycast, 
we'll trickle out episodes as we as we're able to all get together. There's a lot of moving parts involved with that show. A lot of very busy people. So until we can all sit down uh, virtually together and chat a movie, that's where we are with Slycast. And also, I've been making music as well. Um, I've got two releases that I've done since August, and you can find those on my Bandcamp page. And if you just go to my Twitter, Mr. Craig Cohen on Twitter, you can find a link to to all of my podcasts and musical adventures and all the other nonsense I do that people don't really give a shit about. <laughs> all right. Well, and I'm uh, Ryan, host of the uh, Going the Distance, the Rocky Series and Creed podcast. At the time of this listening as well, starting April, April's a big month apparently, uh, we'll be uh, kicking off season eight of our show. We're taking a little bit of a hiatus as of this recording, but uh, we'll be on for season eight. Creed 2 will be beginning. Just a side note, I guess for the listeners of this chat or this feed, I'll be going on lots of sailing. So I'm the season eight or the Creed 2 will be sporadic for the rest of 21. So be patient with that. But if you haven't already subscribed to this network, so you can see all the new shows that are coming in and we're hoping some good things will be happening too. So keep you, uh, keep subscribing because this channel will remain busy. That's all it. right. All right. Thanks guys. All we'll right, talk fellas. soon. Yeah, yeah, go to bed, Doug. Yeah, Enjoy, Doug. yeah. <laughs> All right, fellas.